Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or coworker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to Save Your Sanity. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Tonight we're going to be talking about something I'm asked about so frequently. Can a narcissist change? So there are two parts to that question. One is, can they? Well, clinically, I'll talk about that. Will they? Big, big, big other piece of the puzzle. So let's get real and talk about that for a while tonight. Why not to believe the promise of change from a narcissist? An important thing to notice. I'm really glad you're here. I hope that you've been to other episodes and found value in camp. Or if you just found us, I'm so glad that you did, and I hope that you will come along again. And if you want to find other episodes that you'd like to go back and listen to, you can always go to SaveYourSanityPodcast.com or go wherever you like to get your podcast. We're on every podcatcher we can possibly find, so you'll find us there. And if you would like to support the work, you are more than welcome to do that at Patreon.com slash Save Your Sanity. Patreon.com slash Save Your Sanity. So why shouldn't we believe the promises of change from a narcissist? Well, let me ask you this question. Um, how many promises has the hijackal, the narcissist, made to you, and how many have they kept? Okay. Now, there may have been some wiggle room in there. You may have thought of one or two, but then when you think about it for a little while, did they keep them? Did it continue? Did the change continue? That's sometimes where it falls apart. And, you know, I use the term hijackles. That's my trademark term to keep us from thinking that we can diagnose these people because we can't all diagnose other humans. We mental health professionals may be able to, but it's not a good idea. But we do need to have a term to talk about the patterns, traits, cycles, and behaviors of these people so we can recognize them, so we can clearly see them. So that's why I created the term hijackals. And my definition is hijackals are people who hijack relationships for their own purposes and then relentlessly scavenge them for power, status, and control. Sound familiar? Well, if it does, you're certainly in the right place, but you probably knew that already. So, you know, hijackals change. You you say to them, I won't tolerate this another minute. This can't go on happening. You can't talk to the children that way. You can't treat me that way. Or I will leave. Or I will need to get out of this relationship. Or I will call the police. Or I will do something. And in a state of self-preservation for a moment... A hijackal or a narcissist may make a small change. Maybe for a hot minute. But does it last? No, 
not usually. They slowly drift back, sometimes very quickly drift back. So narcissists are resistant to change. They are totally resistant to change. And even if there's a covert narcissist, you know, we talk about that, a covert narcissist and an overt narcissist. The overt narcissist is the one that's grandiose and demanding and self-important and overblown and lacks empathy and is has an ex inexhaustible need for validation and adoration. And the covert narcissists are the, oh, nobody ever thinks about me. Nobody cares about me. I'm always the last to know, but don't worry, I don't mind. And they are the, the victims, the ones who are always getting attention by saying how little they're respected. They feel just the same way as the other ones in the sense that they are endeavoring to get your full attention on them at all times. But these are the kinds of things that we notice. Neither one of these kinds of, of people with narcissistic traits are going to be open to change because it blows their cover. They are a certain way. They That's the way they know to be. That's the way they feel safe in the world. And when you ask them to change, well, what does that mean? It means that they have a fault or a flaw or are accountable or responsible. Ah, oh, no, that can't possibly be because I don't have any flaws. So an overt narcissist absolutely has no flaws. A covert narcissist, yes, everything is wrong with me. I am terrible. I can't do anything right. Everybody knows that I can't do anything right. So you get the picture. I mean, it's going in one of those two directions. And there are some places in the middle we could talk about. But for this podcast purpose, I just want to point out that even though they may be different, they still have a resistance to change. So why would they change? Well, you know, their self-esteem is really quite damaged. One feels, one kind of narcissist feels that they are entitled to everything because their self-esteem is so high. And a covert narcissist has a very, very dangerously low self-esteem. So neither one of them wants to have to change. So it means you, you're admitting that you have a flaw or that you're taking responsibility for something. And if you actually take responsibility for it and you make a change, then you better have a big payoff, right? There must be something grand that will happen as a result of them deigning for a moment to change because you wanted them to. So they hate admitting their vulnerabilities. And we see that because they are they ignore their vulnerabilities or they suppress them or they deny them or one of the favorites is to blame shift you tell them that there is something that you think you'd like to see a change in them and they turn it around and say no they'd like to see that change in you are you familiar with that one well now we're talking about change and it's not going to go anywhere that is going to be healthy sustained change so the likelihood of change occurring and being sustained is slim. There's really not going to be much going on there. But promises are easy to come by. Words are cheap. They could promise to make a change 
or to make it sound in that magical way that hijackles have, making it sound like there was something said, but it wasn't said, it was alluded to. And if you try to hold them to the fact they said something, they will deny it because they did not actually say it. They made it sound as though they might consider it or it was a possibility, and then they turn it around and nail you with it. Are you familiar with that one? If you've been with a hijackal or were raised by a hijackal, you'll recognize that one right away because that's just so very common. So they don't want to change, but they will make some changes if they are in fear of losing you. You are their supply. They have found you out. They have groomed and trained you to give them what they want. And they that's a lot of work. And so they don't want to repeat that work. They want to keep the supply. So one of the reasons that they might indicate a small change or even promise a large change is because they're afraid of losing you and having to go and find someone else. They would have to do some work. They would have to go back to that love bombing place. They would have to feign great interest in another human and they would have to take some time out of their valuable time in order to get someone to have to control again so they don't like that. Now, of course, there are degrees of hijackals. They're not all black uh, the way that I'm describing them. They can have some variation, but I'm just using the more overt ones in order to give you examples of why not to believe their promise of change because they're afraid of losing you because they have to do the work all over again you know they wooed you as quickly as possible in the case of most hijackals you know there are people who you date and if they're a hijackal they'll say i hardly know you but i know i love you and i think we should get married and you're like whoa isn't that amazing isn't that wonderful but once you've had a hijackal in your life you know that's a big red flag what's the hurry why do we need to do that let's get to know each other because they play into our, our desire to be loved, our desire to be known, our desire to be desired. And so as we mature in the process and learn a few things from being with a hijackal, we learn that their need for speed is not something that looks good to us anymore. But we may have been hooked in by that. So their fear of losing you is their fear of having to go back to being that accommodating, nice appearing empathetic person to find more supply. But they're also afraid of a loss of power over something and someone, a loss of power over a situation. And so they may make a small change. They may even promise a big change um, because they're afraid of not having power over. And again, they would have to find someone else to accord them that power. So that doesn't interest them very much because that's work. And we like to do things that are easy, so that's work. Now, why else might they promise to change? Well, they want something from you. They have something in mind that they want to get, not that they're afraid of losing, but they also have perhaps something in mind that they want to get. And therefore, they're buttering you up. They're agreeing with you. They're going with the flow in your direction 
to give you the illusion that we're together, we're on the same page, we're, we're moving toward the same things. And so in that wanting something from you, they may make agreements, may even for a little while, because that's actually what happens in the love bombing. They want something from you. And so they make themselves into this attractive package, giving you all the love and attention, the things that you really wanted, the things you desperately need to in many cases. And so they appear to be the ones that can supply that. But you know, they're the same ones who take it away. And it's kind of a construction of a trauma bond to be the one who discards you to be the one who dismisses you diminishes you degrades you demeans you and then when you're feeling really really badly they come and say oh and then they want to be your hero and that's how we create trauma bonding so one of the ways that they might be willing to indicate a need for change a desire for change or a willingness to have changes they want something from you and we have to watch for that because probably you're just so in need yourself of some love and affection and attention and kindness and compassion empathy that when they give you just a tiny bit, you brighten up as though you were a plant that hadn't had water for a long time and you, you brighten up and straighten up and, and all your leaves look beautiful. And that dynamic is what they play on because they want something from you. Now, another reason is they like to look good to other people. You know, in so many of these episodes, I've said that hijackles paint a public picture of perfection and at home they provide a private place of pain but they like to look good to outside people you know that so if they appear to be changing if they look as though they might or if they promise you like their press goes up they begin to have a better story to tell they look good to others and the last piece of it is that story to tell. They like to have a positive story to tell. So they may say, you know, well, we went to counseling and we even went to counseling and I was willing to go. And then when you ask them how many sessions they went to, well, two. But the story was good. And that's one of the things that they will do. They will want the story to be good and make them look good, shed a good light on them. So then they will often say, well, they are willing to change or promising to change or suggesting that they will change. And, you know, it's very difficult because narcissists, psychopaths, sociopaths, um, they don't have empathy naturally to just put themselves in your shoes it's not so much empathy deficient although they are it's that they have no interest in you <laughs> they're interested in themselves so they don't have interest in you so when you say you feel a certain way or you need something or whatever they're sort of like oh you know you were going to take the attention off me well let's get it back really really quickly and so sometimes you will find that they will they will promise to change so they can get the subject back on themselves. Does that sound familiar to you? Because why would you change for another person, right? Um, if you don't really care about that other person. 
You care what you may not get if you don't care about or appear to care about the other person. It's very convoluted, I know. And you don't want to think ill of other people. Most kind, healthy people don't want to think badly of others. They want to say, oh, well, I'm sure they can change. But what happens is we get into a pattern that gets really close, if not full-blown enabling. And my definition of enabling is this. And if you don't really understand the definition, I hope this one will help you. Enabling is when you usually step in to fix, to solve, to excuse, to rationalize, to justify, or to make the consequences go away for someone else's poor choices. When you're the one who jumps in and tries to fix a situation so the other person won't have the consequences of their poor choices, you are enabling them. And they are no longer children. So enabling is not a good thing to do. You don't want to condone or enable the behaviors. And you have to stand up and get some strength in order not to do that, to see that not enabling those behaviors is the healthiest thing to do. So, you know, I've had clients who had narcissistic tendencies, maybe even some narcissistic traits, Many, many people come to me because their partners have them and I work with them. And of course, you know, you can work with me if you want. I have a, a new client offer at beaclient.com, a full hour session for only $97. So we can get to know each other and I can hear about the results that you want. So go to beaclient.com. But what's important about this is that we understand that a, a person with narcissistic tendencies can come to talk to me and if they are willing to say, yes, I behave like that frequently, I don't like myself when I behave that way because it hurts someone else, that's a glimmer of hope. That's a moment when you can say, ah, you see that you don't like yourself when you hurt someone else. That's great. But I've also had people come to me and say, you know, other people don't like me when I do this and I want to change that. Well, that's good because you want to be known. But if you come and say, you know, my partner doesn't like this and uh, I've got to get her off my back. Not so good, right? <laughs> but there, there is room for change when somebody really wants to change. You know, I've said it before on this podcast that if a hijack will come in and saying that they want change, yes, it's possible, but it's like the old joke. How many psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? Only one, but the light bulb has to really want to change. And that's where we run into the discernment of does a person really want to change or are they actually doing coming maybe to see me because they're trying to get someone else off their back. We have to figure that out. People who really, really want to change will change. They can change. It'll be slow if they've gotten into that habit since they were young. They can change. But there's a big, big caveat to that. And that is that you must own the show me story. I don't care what you say. 
you say that you see a need for change, you want to change, you see that it would be better if you changed. They can say all those things, but you know, the only thing that we believe is observing sustained change. You know, I've done an episode not so long ago, maybe six weeks ago, on narcissistic phobia apologies. You know, they pretend to apologize for something. Well, we don't see sustained change there, and we need to see sustained change. So we don't believe the words they say. We believe the changes in their behavior over time. I have a couple who worked with me for a long time, and I had grave suspicions that one of the partners was a covert narcissist. But even for someone experienced as I am, we have to check long and hard to make sure that that's true because it's very difficult to take that apart and to figure that out sometimes. But finally, we figured it out and it became time to really put the behavior where the words were. So I suggested to them, because I've been working with them for about 18 months, that it was time to have a trial separation, that they they needed to be apart for some time, and then each of them needed to work individually. And then when there were sustained change, then we would talk about whether or not the relationship could be put back together. Well, what happened? First of all, yes, I saw each of them individually. We worked on the issues. Then all of a sudden, the one who was the covert narcissist quit and then got angry and then started ranting and raving and taking money out of bank accounts and doing all kinds of things because having made a declaration of, yes, I want to change. Yes, I want this relationship. Underneath all that, there was no desire for sustained change. That partner did not know how to how to do life differently. And all that I had helped that person with was too hard, did not want to do it. Basic nature was to take, to take, to take, to take away, to damage, to hurt, and went back to that behavior. Now, I've also worked with other people who have said, I really want my relationship to work, as I said earlier, and I have some narcissistic traits and I want rid of them because I don't feel good when I do it. And they have actually successfully done that. As I said, it takes a while because it's a pattern. It's a habit. It's a way of thinking. It's your go-to place. But people can make a change, especially if they had a narcissistic parent they're not narcissists themselves, but they engage in a few behaviors. We call it having narcissistic fleas, right? Or hijackal fleas. They got some fleas on them by being with those people, but they want them off. And so, so they they come and we, and we give them some help. But generally, hijackals have no desire to change except for their own advantages. And I'm sure that this may be making ultimate sense to you because you've been promised change. Change has been alluded to. It's like, oh, well, if this happens, then I'll change. Or they get really scared that you're going to leave them or they're going to be discarded and they will show up and love bomb for a little while. And you think, oh, that's change. They got the message. They understand the dynamic, but it fades. 
it fades because you want that change to stay and that change goes away, then you're doubly disappointed. So don't get too hopeful when you see small changes. I know you'd like to be encouraging, but don't get too hopeful. Watch for the sustained nature of those changes and more changes. It doesn't have to be night and day. It won't be night and day. When it is night and day, you should be a little suspicious of that. But small changes sustained over time shows growth, shows a distinct interest in creating change. Now, the latest research shows that narcissists actually do shift a little bit. They get a little bit better over t as they get older, as they turn get into their late 40s and 50s. They get a little bit better in some areas, no change in others. They get a little bit better in their sense of entitlement. They don't believe everything revolves around them and should be given to them. Um, but they don't change all that much in other ways. They don't change much in their vanity. <laughs> they don't change much in their poor me's if they're a covert narcissist. So these become very important things to notice. And um, because narcissists are abusive, you know, it's emotional abuse, it's verbal abuse. Sadly, sometimes it's sexual and physical abuse. Often it's financial abuse because narcissists love to control the money. Hijackles love to control the money because they can just meet that out in little places. I was talking with a woman in another country today and she said, you know, I I got to talk to you in this, you know, the beaclient.com one-time offer. She said, I just saved and saved and saved. I needed someone who would tell me I'm not crazy. And she knew that she has been surrounded by hijackles her whole life. You know, her parents were both hijackals. Now she's in this relationship with a hijackal. And she said, you know, how can I make this change? Well, in this case, it's not going to change because narcissists are abusive. And in the financial realm, he had all the money. And if she got even a little bit, he would demand or threaten to hurt her if she didn't give it over. And so here she is, a captive in her own home with small children, and he took her car. Very sad situation. I hope that we'll find a way to help. But narcissists are abusive. That is the nature. And so it's important to call it what it is. You know, I recently did an episode and being able to call it what it is. That you need to be able to give abuse its name. Don't rationalize and justify and make excuses for why a person behaves that way. Recognize that it is abusive. And narcissists grew up with fear. And so in fear, they were never safe, so they avoided closeness. And so they have little ability to want to come close or to know what to do because they never felt safe. And that's not your problem. You didn't break them. You can't fix them. Are you clear about that? You didn't break them. You can't fix them. You may want to. You may want to be supportive. You may want to give them all that love, but they can't accept it. They'll take it because it's to their advantage, but they can't accept it. They can't let it in. They can't live from it and feel better about it because they're in the business of acquiring power and love doesn't sit in the same frame with power. So it's very important. So indelibly on the inside of your forehead, so you can always see it up there, I invite you to write my formula, ABB. 
it's an essential formula to remember because when when a hijackal suggests they will change promises to change you need to remember this before you get your hopes too high and i know i'd love to be the bearer of better encouragement but don't get your hopes too high you need the abb formula and that is always believe behavior no matter what they say believe the behavior and if the behavior and the words match Yay, it's a good thing. Great. But when the words and the behavior do not match, always believe the behavior because that's the key when you want change. Don't get hooked on hope that there will be small and sustained changes and you can see they're trying or you want to make a reason for them. Don't get hooked into that. I know it's easy because you've been longing for a little change. And then it looks like there is one. And you get really excited about that. You think that person that loved me, that I fell in love with is returning. And you're kind of hooked on hope that that person is the real person. And that they're going through a bad patch when they're behaving badly. It's really hard to get your head around that. That person that you met and fell in love with was a myth. That person does not exist. That is someone that they made up in order to have that gotcha factor I write about in my book, Escaping the Hijackal Trap. The real person is the one who's being nasty or difficult or abusive. It's hard to get your head around that, I know. But please, sooner rather than later, get your head around that and understand that when they are promising to change, you need that formula. Always believe behavior, and it must be sustained behavior. You know, going back to that couple who separated for a year, I said to them, you know, as you start to show sustained change in your behaviors, maybe by the six or eight month point, we may be able to have sessions together and begin to craft and see what's possible in the relationship. Well, of course, we didn't get sustained change for even four months and so it wasn't a surprise to me when the non-hijackal partner said to me I never want to see or hear from that person again they had finally been out allowed to have their own thoughts allowed to have downtime to not have their shoulders up around their earlobes to not be concerned listening hypervigilant and at the end of that first six months Clearly, the one person said, I don't want to be abused anymore. I see clearly I was. So the promises of change did not occur, did not come to fruition. There was not sustained change. And that was clearly seen in that relationship. Those people are moving on now and being divorced. And that's important because we need to take care of ourselves. We need to have self-compassion. We need to look after ourselves and we need to give to ourselves. We need to, as I wrote in Kaizen for Couples, you need to have a gift to give it. You need to love yourself in order to have love to give. You need to have self-compassion in order to have compassion to give. Because if we don't have it to give it, we get into a deficit by giving something we don't have and then pretty soon we are really at a, at a distinct disadvantage because we've got nothing left. We've given and given and given and nothing has come back. Then we feel resentful and sometimes if we feel resentful and we're 
aware human beings, we then say to ourselves, oh, I shouldn't feel resentful for giving, then it becomes a difficulty in our ability to care for ourselves. So these things are all very important. And I hope I've given you some reasons why you should not believe the promise of change from a narcissist. You need to see the evidence of sustained change to believe it. And I hope that that helps you. And before we speak again, be sure to go on over to For Relationship Help. You can find so many things over there. You can find my blog. You can join my newsletter. You can find my membership program. So much there for you at For, F-O-R, Relationship Help, H-E-L-P dot com. So until we speak again, I hope you'll be very, very good to yourself because you matter. And I hope you will treat yourself that way and no longer ever allow anyone to treat you any less. Talk soon. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights, some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that, and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash saveyoursanity. Learn more about how to work with me by a video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon. I look forward to, talk, forward to talking with you soon. Bye-bye.